You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 43, Disappearances and Delays. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Geekwatch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Patrick. Hi, Brian. And so we have this week's Doctor Who and Walking Dead to talk about. Yeah. But before that, let's talk about bad news. Because Lots of bad news, it seems like. Yes. Has just uh, kept crepping up. Oh, yeah. I, a lot of moments have popped up in geek news about delays and cancellations. And let's just group it all in one basket so we can chuck it in the bin and forget about it. Mm. Netflix announced... First of all, that they are canceling Iron Fist. And so we won't see a third season of that. But then later they announced that they were canceling Luke Cage. And that was the one Iron Fist. I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of see that. Right. But, but Luke Cage, that one surprised me. It just seems like they're just left and right getting rid of their... Yeah. Well, the thing, too, is that for Luke Cage, they had half the scripts already written for this. Oh, wow. They were right in the middle of getting the entire season set up for Luke Cage. And Luke Cage has been getting good reviews. Daredevil just came out, and it's doing really well right now and they're saying at this point that there's no deal on the table to bring season four of daredevil out wow so all of this might be going away and i can kind of see why that is because marvel's opening up their streaming service at this point and so people are thinking well maybe all this stuff is going to migrate to the new marvel show oh, that would be very nice yeah. yeah it would be but i doubt that's what's going on let's see that's really painful i just and we don't know about Jessica Jones yet either. Yeah. But, you know, that was the really big thing about Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and right. Daredevil. It was such a big deal for women, for mm. minorities, and for those with disability. Right. So <laughs> our yeah. heroes are getting cut off and... Yeah, and I, think the, and I think the main reason for that being, and we talked about this before, that the Netflix and the television is under one group of management, and then Kevin Feige is in charge of all the movie stuff. Well, when it comes to the Disney streaming service, Kevin Feige is going to be in charge with the television shows there. And he's mentioned he wants to do a Nick Fury television show. He wants to hmm. do a Scarlet Witch television show. He wants to do a Loki television show. So it's going to reflect more stuff you've already seen in the films. But I think, honestly, the Netflix stuff is getting the poison pill. They're wiping all of that away because it's not as on brand, shall we say, with what you're used to seeing in the theaters, which for me was which, what I enjoyed about it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't your typical Marvel fare. You got to see a darker take on some things, which I enjoyed. And the writing's been really good. I've really enjoyed all the shows to one degree or another, but it does look like it's all going to go away. And, and they were good for binging. And that's yeah. the big thing with series... That's where series are going toward now. We had talked about it before with Matt Grennan, and mm -hmm. Disenchantment got renewed, so that's exciting, though. Yeah. Way to go on that one, Netflix. But he is new to the binging format. He has done weekly cartoons, which we watch Futurama, and we watch The Simpsons. So him just picking up on the binging aspect of it, and that was one good thing about the Marvel series on Netflix, is they were great for binging. Can Feige translate from movie format to binging format? 
Well, that's going to be the question if they're even going to do that. You have DC Online. They don't do binging. They release one a week. Oh, so okay. So huh. they don't do what Netflix does. So, there, I mean, there's a possibility. But there's been a lot of shakeups with Netflix. I mean, they just canceled Orange is the New Black, which was mm-hmm. very popular. Yeah, I just, I don't watch it personally. I watched the first season, but my sister watches it. And she read the book, so mm-hmm. really, as far as their source material goes, they had come to the end of it. Oh, so okay. not knowing if that's a factor in this, we're not sure. Oh, that's I mean, impossible. Yeah, but they, as far as their source material goes, mm-hmm. they've come to the end of where they can go. So but maybe you, this was the plan from the get-go. That may be the case. I know that to have a show that popular and it done so well for them, and for them to have to back off, especially now that and, House of Cards mm-hmm. had wound up getting canceled because, well, right. we, we know mm-hmm. so. And then again, they had Hemlock Grove. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there were three seasons of it right. uh, based on one book, and only the first season was based on the book, and then they went on themselves, their own writers, and I felt like it jumped the shark toward the, the second and third seasons, that it jumped the shark when they didn't follow the source material. Yeah. So that could be, but, you know, that's their horror side, but now we've got Haunting of Hill House, which is killing it. So Netflix writers know their horror. Yeah. And that's another show. You know, me personally, I saw the original two movies. I never read the book. Mm -hmm. But this, I'm I'm only halfway through the series, but it is blowing me away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely a departure from the book, which I would think it would need to be for the series. And what I've learned about doing adaptations is as long as you're in the spirit of the material, sometimes being slavish to the actual source material can be a problem. Mm -hmm. And trying to make a series out of Haunting of Hill House, word for word, the way it was in the novel, I don't know how that would work on TV. I don't think it would be as successful as the adaptation that they have now on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the series? Uh, Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, pretty much the only thing that I see, because as I understand, the original black and white movie is probably the most faithful to the novel. Mm -hmm. We only have the three names and the Crane Manor is what we have and everything else is pretty much completely different. But I can't wait for you to watch it. I can't wait to hear what you have to say oh, about yeah. it. Well, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it once I can carve some time into my schedule. Come on, I definitely prioritize wanna... your schedule. You don't need to sleep. <laughs> oh, I desperately need to sleep. <laughs> so, getting away from cancellations and going into delays, they've announced that Wonder Woman, they were going to show it December of next year, and they moved it up to November the 1st of 2019, has now been pushed back to June 5th, 2020. Really? I yes. hadn't heard anything about that. Yes. So why why are they doing that? Well, I'll tell you why some people are saying. It's because we're going to have two movies with Captain Marvel in 2019. And people are saying, well, DC and Warner Brothers was scared of the fact that Marvel's coming out with a female superhero in a red, blue, and gold costume. Oh. And because of that, they decided to move out of the way. Which, I, I think that's a bad idea. I, I think that's a mistake. But. Well, here's what I'm thinking. I don't believe that that's the reason they moved it. Uh, okay. Because here's the thing. Where it was sitting November 1st, 2019, Captain Marvel was coming out March 9th. Avengers 4 was coming out May 3rd. There are a bunch of months between May yeah, and November. It's a completely different season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't really feel that DC or Warner Brothers was looking at, oh my God, they're going to have two Captain Marvel movies. We can't have oh. Wonder Woman in the same year. I honestly don't believe that was their motivation. What I think their motivation was... Bringing a movie up in November does kind of feel like they were dumping it. But sticking it in June, right at the beginning of the summer blockbuster season, 
it sounds to me that Warner Brothers has grown a little bit of faith in Wonder Woman and feels like awesome. that she could handle the, I think that's, that has mm-hmm. more to do with it than they're scared of, of mm-hmm. Marvel and they don't want to try to compete. Because here's the truth. It's not like there's not going to be Marvel movies in 2019. But here's the thing about June. Disney traditionally has put out animated films in June. So there's not going to be that kind of a competition. And Mm -hmm. June 5th is at the beginning of the month. I think it's June 19th when they haven't announced what movie it's going to be in in 2020, but it's a Pixar film. But I think it's it's announced for June 19th. Mm -hmm. And so there's still some distance between that. and It's apples and oranges, although they're both can appeal to children, but it's not exactly the same thing. I know a lot of people are jumping on this bandwagon that Marvel is this monolith that Warner Brothers is afraid to take on, but I just don't think that's the situation. And it's a lot easier to push a film forward than it would be to back it up to, say, June of 2019. You're swimming upstream in that situation. Going downstream is a lot easier to put a film on a schedule. I just feel like, in this case, Warner Brothers, they've got some faith in Wonder Woman. They've and they've probably, decided that this is going to be our blockbuster. Yes, let's put it our out. summer blockbuster. Let's put it out in the summer. I think that has more to do with it. But unfortunately, what that means is we're not going to see a new Wonder Woman for until 2020, which sounds like a long way away. But we'll just have to hang on until <laughs> then. Speaking of delays, that's not nearly as big of a delay as they've announced for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they've already said they're not even going to start principal photography on till sometime in 2021. Oh, wow. Which okay. means that we won't see a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 movie sooner than sometime in 2022. Hmm. And there's going to be a load of Marvel movies to come out between... I think maybe the next Marvel movie that's coming out is going to be... Is it... I don't know if it's Captain Marvel or Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, I think actually Far From Home is probably going to come out after Avengers 4, whatever they decide to call that. So, mm-hmm. But there's going to be a bunch of movies before we see Guardians of the Galaxy again. And I wonder, with that much space, how that's going to affect what we're going to see in the film. Who's still going to be there? Who's going to be gone? That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And especially now that we're going to have to have a new writer, we're going to have to come up with a new director... 2022. They'll lose the makeup molds. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that's going to mean for Guardians of the Galaxy. They're making adjustments, and a lot of this has to do also with Fox and the Fox deal. Mm -hmm. Because next year, the deal will be done, and they will have these other properties that they can work with. They'll get the X-Men and the Fantastic Four back. Yep. (laughs) And so they're going to have to figure out where all that's going to fit in. And so I think that there's a good possibility, especially with all the issues that they're having to deal with with Guardians of the Galaxy, it might just get pushed off the map because they're going to have a bunch of other things to bring in. So as of right now, like I said, it's not really on the schedule. They're saying they're not going to even start shooting anything until 2021. And so it's years down the road before we could even possibly hope for a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, assuming that we would even get one. We'll just keep hoping. Yeah, certainly. I do. And finally, of course, as far as losing things in geek culture, this has been going on for a little while, but you know we haven't had a chance to mention this yet. But of course, on CBS, we are going through the last season of The Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. And yeah. geeks don't really care. So we're just going to pass on that. <laughs> so let's talk Doctor Who instead. Okay. Yeah, we got our first historical of the of this season and with this new doctor right and since we are talking doctor who and walking dead last week obviously there's going to be spoilers so if you've not 
watch these episodes yet, put this podcast on hold, watch the episodes and come back. But I was really fascinated by Rosa, episode three of Doctor Who. I was wondering about how they were going to pull this off because of the subject matter. I mean, there were a lot of pitfalls that they could have fallen into. (laughs) The biggest one, so big and so terrible, in fact, that I thought there's no way that they're going to screw it up and do this because this would have been a series killer if they had, is if you had a moment where Rosa Parks wasn't sure about where her place in the world was and the doctor gave her a pep talk, which allowed her to get up on the bus Mm -hmm. and stay, if that was because the doctor gave her a talking to and gave her the courage to do it, that would have been so horribly tone deaf that everybody would have been complaining about it. But fortunately, they didn't go there. In fact, there was where the doctor and the companions really came in was they were trying to preserve history. And Rosa Parks just basically needed them just to keep stuff out of the way of, you know. So Rosa Parks was still Rosa Parks. It was still her bravery. It wasn't because something, something external drove her to that. She was always going to do it. She was always going to be the face exactly. of, of the bus strike. Right. She was going to kick off the civil rights movement, which made me happy. I really enjoy the historical parts of Doctor Who. This is probably, for me, one of the most historically strong mm-hmm. episodes. Sometimes you have historical characters that take a place in Doctor Who. And for me, this episode felt like... And I haven't seen an episode like this in a long, long time where you felt like they were actually stepping into history. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't sort of like a historical construct that you were using historical figures to kind of tell a tale involving the Doctor. That this was, they were actually stepping into the pages of history. Mm -hmm. When Doctor Who first started out, what they wanted to do is they wanted to have the Doctor go to historical events to teach history to children. That was where they started Uh, up. Mr. Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah, although they wanted to take it a little more seriously. So mm-hmm. they would see history and kids would learn history through that. And if you didn't know anything about Rosa Parks, the civil rights movement, you really learned a lot mm-hmm. because again, they really just stepped into the pages of history, which they haven't done something like that in a long, long time. I'm if always, it ever. Brian, I'm always amazed by how well they do American history mm-hmm. because it's the BBC. Their English is like how, you know, how well they've done American history, like with the Hooverville episodes. They've done such, such a good job with it and mm-hmm. uh, really researching and they just do a really good job at that. Well, I mean, the BBC is known for their historical dramas. Right. And they go in full bore and yeah i think that what they did in this episode was amazing and getting that little easter egg where ryan gets to meet martin luther king jr and he just keeps calling him it's so nice to meet you martin Martin luther king King. (laughs) yes yes rosa parks yes martin luther king that's always fantastic and i know some people complained about cresco the villain it's like, he, well, he didn't really have a whole lot of motivation, and he wasn't really a huge part of the story. But to my mind, I think that character was as big as it needed to be. I didn't need him to be huge, because I, I didn't want anything that the villain or even the Doctor and her companions to overshadow the Rosa story. I think have him in there just enough for them to be involved in the story, but you still get to see this the main story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, just like the way he, he seems rather more chaotic mm-hmm. than evil, uh, causing, causing chaos sort yeah. of like that's his, that's his, you know, he's not mustache twirling. He just, you know, right. it's like he feeds on it. And right. so that's what I, well, see. a lot of people compared him to a villain, uh, of the first doctors who was known as the meddling monk. 
that well yeah he he dressed up as he dressed up as a monk and he had a tardis and he was he had a much nicer tardis than the doctor had the first doctor but he liked to go into history and tamper with it hmm. and so the meddling monk people compared cresco to to that character the deal with cresco was he was a well, they, they didn't go into a detail about what all his crimes were, except that he killed about 2,000 people, so not the nicest guy, obviously. And he had been imprisoned in Stormcage, which is a, a throwback, because, of course, that was Stormcage was where River Song was serving uh-huh. 12,000 mm-hmm. consecutive life terms <laughs> for killing the doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, it's like, killing the doctor? Isn't the doctor still alive? Well, wibbly-wobbly... Timey-wimey. Apparently, he had been released from Stormcage, which is how long was a sentence that for killing 2,000 people, but then you are able to get out? Mm. There's a lot of stuff about Cresco that is still a mystery. Obviously, Good lawyers? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, he knew what a TARDIS was. So how did he know what a TARDIS was? He was able to identify the TARDIS even through the perception filter. He had a suitcase that had a, a perception filter built into it. He had time technology. So who is this guy really? Now, he didn't die at the end of the episode. He was transported into the far past. But that doesn't mean he's gone anywhere. So we may see Cresco again. I mean, how time, How many times was Captain Jack thrown back into time and then, you know, yeah. just had to wait around in a grave or something? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see him. We'll see him again. Oh, yeah. So for me, like I said, getting to see the actual history and having those moments between Yaz and Ryan talking about this was the beginning of something, but you know, Ryan talking about how he'll get pulled over faster than his mates will. And of course, with Cresco, we have this person from the future, but he also seems to have racist tendencies. Yeah. You have that Always play of, you know, that, that play back and forth of what Rosa Parks did was important, but there's still a lot to be done. And I was really fascinated, very happy with this episode of Doctor Who. It's one of the most moving ones that I've seen in a long time. And so uh, with that, we'll go ahead and start talking a little bit of Walking Dead. Well, Brian, I had such, oh, spoilers, I had such hopes for Anne. I did. Mm. And now she's a human trafficker. She said that she'd been trading people for supplies to somebody. The people in the copter. So we don't know who, we still don't know who they are. We just know that Anne had an encoded walkie talkie to speak with them privately and that this has been going on for a while and that unfortunately it looks like Father Gabriel Mm -hmm. is going to be the next trade. And she's using the phrases A and B. Now, my head automatically goes to Alpha Beta. Right. And maybe wherever the copter is going has like a Brave New World thing going on. There are Alpha Betas and Mm -hmm. Gammas and Deltas and... Well, here's the thing. There's a cast system. Well, if you go to the comics, there are two characters in The Whisperers. You have a second-in-command who's known as Beta, and Ah. the leader of The Whisperers, her name is Alpha. So maybe that's kind of a tie into that. But yes, I thought Alpha and Beta. And mm-hmm. I wondered if it was like an Alpha personality. they do beta. that with the wolves when they had the wolves. That would have made more sense to me because they're Alpha and Omega wolves. Mm-hmm. So why not Alpha and Beta? So Yeah. But, well, that was out of the... Well, we'll the, wolves were cre- the wolves were created uh, for the TV show. They never mm-hmm. appeared in the comics. Okay. Whether the people in the helicopter... I don't know if the people in the helicopter are the Whisperers, because it doesn't play exactly the same as the comics. The Whisperers don't really have tech. In fact, they just basically wear they wear walker skins and walk along with the walkers. But yeah, I, 
It looks like Anne has basically, I mean, although she wasn't trying to capture Gabriel, she it tried to walk. Happened, yeah. it, well, it just happened because he followed her and she, she didn't want him to follow her, but he did. And when she said, hey, don't tell nobody. And he said, I got to tell them. What choices does she have? I guess. So, and we, t- of course, we talked about last week about how Anne is a person of two worlds, because I think, honestly, she is, she is somebody who cares about Father Gabriel. I honestly believe that she does. So what she winds up doing with Gabriel, I don't know. But, of course, the deal with Anne wasn't the only thing going on in the episode, because, of course, we continued on with the mystery of what was happening to all of the, all the saviors that were getting killed off. And the answer took me completely by surprise. Of course, once you found out what was going on, you were like, of course, that makes perfect sense. But I didn't necessarily see that coming. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Oceanside was killing off the uh, saviors and that moment with a rat where she's on her knees, this was where you killed my brother. Yep. So that was really harsh. Now, the other swerve, of course, was Maggie standing there and Daryl and Maggie being told, hey, we're doing this because of you. And you hung Gregory. We said, we don't have to put up with it. We can find another way. And that moment is like, you're doing this because of me? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she just walks off. Right. Because I thought there was going to be this moment oh, you can't kill her. There was going to be a realization. But no, they totally flipped it at 180 and said, nope, she's doubling down on all this. Yeah, kill them all. Mm-hmm. And then she turns around and says, well, we're going to Alexandria. And that's the thing. Maggie has lost her entire family over and over again. Mm-hmm. Even at one point of time, she had this hope. Beth is alive, only to walk up to her and she's gone. Yeah. Uh, so Maggie has been through so much. So for her to be protecting her son, so she knows what they're going through. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody she was with on the farm before Rick's crew showed up there. I mean, all of them are dead. Mm-hmm. All of them. And then many of the people who were at the farm in Rick's crew, they're dead. She's lost just about everybody, and many times right in front of her face. And the only people she has left, she's got Rick, she's got Carol, and our whole, you know, our whole core is split into right. factions. Well, and that was a big theme in this episode, was that there is this schism. Some people feel one way, some people feel another way. And with Rick especially, I would say, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing. But really, is what he's doing to Negan, is that more moral than killing him? He's wanting to have Negan see the society work and not be able to be a part of it, which, of course, is not the vision that Carl had. Carl's vision had Negan as part of this new society. Does Rick really have the high ground here? I don't think so. I don't know. And the fact that we as viewers know that there are only two episodes left with Rick, I really think some of the cruelest stuff that AMC is doing to us is showing us what a happy family Michonne and Judith and Rick are having. It's like, this is so cruel. Well, I think that has a lot to do with why these last three episodes have felt pretty rushed. I feel like they're trying to get an awful lot of story in with not a lot of time. And yeah, I mean, this Sunday and next Sunday, and that's it for Rick. That's it. Andrew Lincoln is gone. I mean, we do know in this next episode, this Sunday, that Maggie's going to be marching to Alexandria, and Rick's going to be trying to stop her, and people are going to be working against him to keep him from stopping her. And so this is going to come to a head. I'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. Next podcast, we're going to be knocking on the door to the last episode for Rick. So how they're going to set it up, we'll find out. And so with that said, we come to the end of another episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. 
Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding you that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.